Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. And today I am joined yet again with Amanda Powell from Digital Marketer. How are you, Amanda? Oh, doing well, as always. We're trying to pretend like we haven't seen each other for a while, but we actually just recorded like a couple of hours ago. So <laughs> in, in full disclosure here, but we're really excited about today's guest here, who is right up the street from where I am, just a mere 50 miles away in Cambridge, Massachusetts, over at HubSpot is Asia Frost. She's the head of content SEO for HubSpot and uh, is going to be bringing the goods here today on a strategy that these guys are using, that Digital Marketer has been using the past six months, which we spoke about in a few episodes back, but uh, getting a little bit more into the nitty gritty of how these guys were able to use content for SEO purposes, especially in 2020. And as a former frustrated SEO guy, now turned Facebook ads guy, I would love to know how she does all this. So uh, welcome to Perpetual Traffic Asia. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to try to bring the goods. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's kind of late on a Tuesday, but you know, we're, we've got the energy today. It doesn't matter. We're bringing, we're, the energy, us, yeah. know, we're bringing it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Amanda, maybe you can give a little bit more of an intro because you're the, uh, the resident SEO expert here as to what you guys have sort of done, how you learned this from some of the folks at HubSpot and you know, just sort of give our, our listeners a, a sort of a base understanding of what is the goal for all this? Because after all, the name of the show is Perpetual Traffic, traffic to have you build businesses, sell stuff at the end of the day. Otherwise, why the hell are we doing this? We're not doing it just for our health. Yeah, so we're really excited to have Asia on today because I, did my first first uh, inbound conference last year, which was very exciting. I had never been. The conference is massive, if you haven't been. And it's just a really good place to, you know, obviously pick up new strategies. And I was trying to uh, hunt down all the best SEO sessions. And I ended up in Asia's session, who is uh, the head of content SEO at HubSpot. And obviously, it was an incredible session and ended up going to her workshop where she broke down exactly how she implemented this uh, strategy that you might have heard of that we're implementing here at Digital Marketer. And you might have heard of it because Ralph and I talked about it, but two months ago, three months ago, because we had started implementing it at Digital Marketer and already had started seeing some really amazing success. But the really funny part was I was at Inbound and I was texting our content strategist and was like, Oh my gosh, I'm in this really great session. I think this is the strategy we need to start implementing. I'm so excited. And our content strategist is texting me back going, that's awesome. Whose session are you at? Like, I, I want to look them up. 
And I was like, well, her name, her name is Asia Frost. And she goes, oh my gosh, <laughs> I went to college with her. <laughs> really just a small world. I think it's really funny that one, you guys knew each other. And two, Becky, who's our content strategist, is the one implementing your strategy now. So I think it all kind of came full circle in general. <laughs> yeah, it has definitely come full circle. Little did we know when we were sitting next to each other in uh, Humanities that someday we were going to be talking about topic cluster strategies, you know? Humanities and SEO are related. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're using our uh, our writing degrees in some way. <laughs> but what I think is really great about this strategy is it is, it's, it's really rooted in making sure that you're getting the most out of your organic traffic. And we started implementing it and already saw a lot of success um, with our first, our first few clusters. But if you hadn't heard the episode where I talked about how we started implementing this strategy, do you kind of want to give us an overview, Asia, of exactly what you're doing and why it's working so well and why you started implementing it? So the topic cluster strategy, also referred to as the content silo strategy or the hub and spoke strategy, <laughs> lots of different terms out there for the same essential concept, which is you're creating this organizational structure on your blog and you're creating mini satellites of content. So each satellite maps to a specific concept or overarching theme. And then within that topic cluster, then you're covering a specific niche with individual blog posts. So think about it this way. You have maybe eight blog posts. They're all on one greater topic. Each blog post delves into a specific aspect of that topic. And then every blog post in the topic cluster links to each other. It's creating this kind of topical unit on your blog that ensures you're really covering a topic in depth. I, I mean, as an SEO, where a lot of SEOs always talk about backlinks, but sometimes you have to st take a step back and think about the internal links that are actually tying all of your posts together. And I think that's one thing that we were uh, missing on the blog. We have, you know, some what was called pillar posts on our, our blog here at Digital Marketer. But what we found is like the pillar posts were linking out to some of our other blog posts, but there was no really track. And I feel like that's what, at least what we've tried to do in terms of building out, building out this strategy is essentially creating tracks for our customers where if we have, you know, cluster that is around content marketing, all of our content marketing posts are linked to that post and then it's linking out to them and they're linking back to the main hub in order for people to be able to follow a, this framework. And I feel like it's really kind of created this sense of understanding within what we're trying to, like within the concepts that we're trying to get across to our customers. I mean, I'm assuming that's, hopefully that's the point, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that you touch on something really important there, which is the linking relationships. And that's kind of the, the reason that this whole structure works. So if you think about any link, whether it's internal or external, as this sign of relevance, like page A is relevant to page B, and we know because a link exists between the two. Um, you're, you're telling Google that these seven or eight pages, however big your topic cluster is, every page has a very clear link to the other pages in the topic cluster. Obviously through the backlink, but also like it has like a thematic relationship. Yeah. Um, 
And so that's great for your readers because if they land on one page in the topic cluster, uh, you know, to your example, if they land on a, a post about content marketing on Digital Marketer, they can very easily find their way to the other related posts and it kind of takes them on this journey. But also for Googlebot, which is you know, indexing your website and trying to understand the relationship between the hundreds or hundreds of thousands of pages that you have up, seeing those clear links between pages also helps Google establish the relevance of each page to another. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my, well, my next question is, when did you start implementing this strategy? And what does success looked like for HubSpot? And I guess like for us, what happened to us last year, and I've talked a little bit about this on on the, the podcast when we were walking through why we started implementing this strategy is we were doing a lot of like casual content because our casual content drives a lot of traffic. And by casual content, I'm talking like, you know, some what is posts, you know, talking about like the very basics of digital marketing or some very broad, broad topics like time maximization and like how to build a PowerPoint and things that are, you know, can be related, but aren't like very specific niche things that are very tactical. Um, And what we found is when Google had like the three algorithm updates in a row last year is we started to see the effects of that. So we really needed to start linking up our content and start getting that relevancy back, which is the point of this strategy. But I mean, what was kind of the like, end game for HubSpot when you started to implement this, that you were like, oh, this, we need to try something different. We've been seeing really underwhelming traffic performance across our core blogs. So HubSpot at the time had a blog dedicated to marketing, one for sales and one for customer service. And while the sales and customer service blogs were kind of growing, their growth wasn't anywhere near what you would anticipate for Uh, relatively new properties. And Mm -hmm. our marketing blog, which was and continues to drive the vast majority of organic traffic, was actually like ever so slightly declining. And if you really stepped back and looked at the 16th month trend line, it was obvious that (laughs) what we were currently doing wasn't working. And what we're currently doing was actually really close to what you described. And I think it's a trap or maybe a mindset, an OS that a lot of content teams get stuck in, which is they've done their homework. They know their buyer personas, which I think mm-hmm. in digital marketing you call uh, customer avatars. Yep. Um, <laughs> they, they, know, they know what their audience cares about and the general topics that they should be covering. So they cover those topics. And then when the next month comes around and they need to drive more traffic and put out more blog posts, they cover them again. And then when the next (laughs) month comes around and they need more blog posts, more traffic, they cover them again. And at Nauseam, you get to this point where you've written about the same topics tens of times, but each new post isn't providing any new value. And in fact, you're actually backtracking because all of your new content is competing with all your old content. And you're kind of like just siphoning readers from one part to the next. Which is how you you end up in a scenario where you have like 10 bloggers on staff and each of them is creating five posts a week and you're still not growing traffic. Um, (laughs) So that was definitely, uh, I think it was pretty clear to everyone kind of looking at where we were and how far we hadn't come that we needed a new strategy. This strategy was actually not my brainchild 
I basically came on the team and my boss had just started pushing this out on the blog. Mm -hmm. So I got to inherit his strategy. And luckily for me, it was an effective strategy because (laughs) nothing would be worse than inheriting a strategy that didn't work after one that already wasn't working. Um, But I very quickly saw the value in it and wanted to work as quickly as possible to basically start creating content that mattered and, and drove actual results. So a month after I joined the team, I think we had already published four or five topic clusters. It was a combination. It was mostly net new content. So we call net new anything that like hasn't existed in any form on the blog before. And then any post that already existed, but were revamping, we call that like a historically optimized post. Okay. So most of the topic clusters that we published in my first month, um, consisted of net new content with some strategic, historically optimized posts. And traffic just skyrocketed. It was like, you know, our patient had been in a coma and he started recovering. <laughs> like it went from like that flat line just up into the right, which was really good timing because there was a lot of internal debate about whether the strategy was actually the right thing to do really represented a massive change for us. So, but as soon as we got those early results, then, then people were bought in and, and now here we are, uh, you know, nearly two years later and I'm, I'm talking on the podcast about it and it <laughs> continues to be the, the way that we drive the vast majority of, of traffic to our blog. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So let me see if I can just simplify this a little bit because I mean there's a lot of folks on here that they'll take content but it's sort of a haphazard way in which they'll use content there's we use content primarily at least through my company for pre-engagement content ultimately to sell ultimately to book a call ultimately to sell them into an agency 
uh, customer or you know one of our other products. But that content is a very great way in which to engage people on the front end. It might otherwise be unfamiliar with a specific concept. So for you guys, like you've got such a you had such a powerful blog to begin with, but the problem it sounds like is that you were putting almost too much content on the blog in too many different spots as opposed to funneling it in specific directions. And that's when the real traffic started to really hit through through search from what it sounds. And it sounds like if you if you're looking at your blog, it's like customer experience, customer retention, sales prospecting. Like those are obviously big topics for you sort of in front and center, obviously related back to HubSpot services. Was it just sort of a matter of figuring out what those big like two word keywords are and then everything, uh, uh, you know, under that, all the longer tail keywords, just sort of linking all that together? Or is it like, how did, what was the genesis of this whole strategy, I guess? Because it's, it's, you know, there's obviously like, there's the big keywords that you want, but then all the, all the other long tails are obviously the ones that would, might have higher intent. So what was the, what was the initial sort of change over? And then how did that manifest itself on the blog? And maybe you can even talk about like a specific example for a specific keyword for us. I think the topic cluster strategy, the, the framework is really helpful because when I went in and I started looking at the content, I could see the topics that we had just way oversaturated, as well as the topics that we had no business creating content on in the first place because <laughs> they had a lot of traffic, but they're very, very, very low intent. So once I understood where we currently were, then I went to our product and services catalog, which lists out every single product and then every single feature within that product. You can think of those as keywords. Not every product or feature name is optimized for search, but they are very high intent. So obviously, if we're talking about your agency, you know, it could be Facebook ads, e-commerce. Like that is something that you offer and every keyword that kind of comes before that in that, you know, customer funnel, you want to rank for. You know those keywords are relevant by proxy because the customer has to go through all those keywords to get to those bottom of the funnel, super high intent keywords. For sure. So using our product and services, then I mapped out all of our content gaps, all the topic clusters where we should have all the content from, you know, super high funnel to bottom of the funnel, but just didn't, or had, you know, maybe like a few blog posts, but not like the full topic cluster. So that was, I think you're right in pointing out, like the topic cluster is not enough. You could create all these beautiful clusters and they could all link to each other and get out pillar pages and like that's great but if you're not targeting the right keywords the whole structure is kind of moot so (laughs) i would definitely recommend for folks who want to implement this taking the framework but making sure that you are starting with your product or services and then reverse engineering those to find those really high intent topics absolutely like for, and I'm just looking at, and we're going to leave links in the show notes here for uh, blog.hubspot.com is that there's topics right sort of in the middle of the page. And obviously all these things, all these nine things that are in the middle, you know, 
you guys actually can help with. It's not like you're just talking about something that's irrelevant. It's directly related to a product or a product feature. And that was very intentional because you're like, well, I'm going to go look, in, look into our products and then I'm going to sort of reverse engineer it all the way out to big keywords and all the other keywords that are a little bit deeper that are more intent-based. And I think that's like, that's a big thing that people have to sort of understand. It's sort of logical in a lot of ways, but I think a lot of people miss that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's easy to miss. I mean, we were we were kind of missing it, even though we had a big team and a lot of really smart people. I think you just kind of get locked in your routines, your content creation routines, and you forget to keep going back to your your products and your services. Even now, like two years later, we're still finding ways to create even higher intent content. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're really thinking about like, how do we compete with G2 Crowd and Captera and all the product directories of the world? Because we know that our users are going to Captera to find like the best CRM or the best CMS. And so how can we show up in those SERPs too? Mm. So there's basically, I, I feel a never ending pool of really high intent keywords. You just have to keep digging for them and you have to kind of keep reminding yourself what the end goal is. So you don't get distracted by all the high traffic, but low intent keywords. Got it. So far more benefit based, like what HubSpot does as opposed to the feature of the product. Cause it, in essence, you know, it's a CRM, you know, it's content management. It's not necessarily looking for those specific, you know, exact match like products, but it's the benefit of those products and all the things that you provide for the customers, which is chances are those are the things that they're searching for anyway, because that's the real problem. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think to take that example, you don't want your, your topic clusters or your blog content to compete with your product pages. So if you know that your product page should rank for sales CRM, then you're going to want to leave that off of your blog so that you don't introduce any content cannibalization. But you do know that someone who's evaluating a sales CRM cares about, you know, lead routing or territory mapping. And those are really educational keywords. Each of them map to probably a different topic cluster. It's kind of your job to figure out like, what is that larger theme? How do I group all this content together And if you go through that, then that's when you start discovering, I think, the really good opportunities sitting in that perfect sweet spot between, okay, someone's, you know, very clearly uh, ready to buy something and uh, they're looking for information that somehow maps to the product. Right. And of course, it doesn't hurt that you guys do rank number one organically for sales CRM, at least in my incognito Chrome. (laughs) I didn't pick that one strategically. (laughs) I did not pick that one strategically. (laughs) Pretty good there, Asia. I think what you keep mentioning is that like within the clusters, you also have to have like a variety of different levels of content. So it's not just, you know, it's extremely tactical content, but it's not just, you know, extremely broad content. It's a little, a little bit of everything linking back to that main hub in order to capture people from all levels trying to get to that specific product that you're trying to sell, right? Yeah, definitely. I think your pillar page, uh, that's something we haven't really 
touched on yet in the podcast. I'm sure you covered this in the previous episode, but for folks who haven't heard that one, the pillar page is the central page of the topic cluster. It's kind of like the heart of the topic cluster, and it should be your highest level, most comprehensive page. So it could be territory mapping, or it could be productivity tips, or it could be e-commerce Facebook ads. That's going to target your 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 broadest, most general keyword. And then, to Amanda, to your point, each blog post goes into um, like a longer tail keyword that mm-hmm. is much more specific and narrow. So here's my other question for you. So when you're building out your clusters, so for people that have a small team, and I may or may not be asking this because it's a problem that we've run into. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No free advice here. Come on. (laughs) But when we're working on this strategy, here's the problem that we're finding. So we're building out clusters and, you know, some of the posts we're trying to update, some of the posts we're trying to build new, and then we're linking them back to this big pillar page. But what we found is because our content team is so small, like our blog for weeks at a time are related to one specific topic. So if you might notice this month, we might may or may not be doing a t- content cluster or a topic cluster on email marketing. <laughs> so all of our content coming out is around email marketing. So what is, I mean, are obviously because your team is so big, you're building multiple clusters at once. And that's kind of what we started to try and to try to do is that we have, you know, a layout of the clusters that we want to get out in the next three or four months. And we need to start updating posts on each of them and start building posts for each of them in order to kind of provide that variety. But how have you prioritized your clusters across across your team in order to make sure that like you're not tiring out your audience? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And it is something that we faced. One of the first things I think that I decided when we were originally talking about this was, well, let's look at how many people are actually coming to our blog directly. Like how many people are landing on the homepage and realizing that we haven't talked about anything but email marketing for the past two months. And if you look at at least our HubSpot, um, I'm not sure how it is for digital marketer, but we get such a small percentage of our traffic from direct and even email at this point and such a vast majority from search where of course people are just coming into like an individual blog post. Maybe they're clicking around a little bit, but then they're usually leaving again. Um, Mm -hmm. Like no one actually notices (laughs) that we're double down on evil marketing. (laughs) Maybe like 10 people do, Um, but (laughs) your audience usually doesn't notice. So Mm -hmm. I would, I would probably want to know, what that breakdown looked like for digital marketer to know if it was actually truly a problem or it's more like, oh, we work on this property every day. Of course, we're hyper-conscious that we're talking about nothing but this topic. But if I didn't work here, would I know? Um, <laughs> so that's my first thing. I think no matter what, it makes sense to vary your topic clusters, uh, like to stagger mm-hmm. the release of each blog post because if you're thinking about each one strategically in the end, driving traffic to a product or service page, you probably care about those products or services, not all equally, but you don't want to just promote one product or service at the expense of another. So from that 
perspective, it makes sense to, to mix things up a little bit. What we generally do is we'll try to spread it out across products or services. So if I'm creating one sales-related topic cluster, I might also be launching a marketing and a customer service one at the same time. And that yeah. ensures that even spread that we were talking about. I think if you just have one product with many features or just a few products, I would be looking at search volume. So if you look at all of the search volume that you're targeting with one topic cluster, let's say like in total, it's it's 25,000 MSV. You might also want to be pushing out content from a topic cluster with a much smaller MSV and one with a middling level of MSV so that by the time you've finished executing on whatever those those three topic clusters, you're not setting yourself up to get a ton of traffic when you first start working on this. And then like very little at the end when you're creating all those blog posts that have, you know, they're targeting keywords that are super, super long tail and have like 50 MSV each. I think that's such a good point that we don't think about a lot, uh, even as marketers and especially, you know, digital marketer, we're training, we're training marketers. And one thing that we talk about a lot is like assumed knowledge. Like when you've been in the industry so long, or you've been in your, you know, running Facebook ads for like an extremely long time, or you've been an SEO for an extremely long time, or, you know, you've been doing email marketing, you just have like an assumed knowledge because it comes e- so easy to you at a certain point where like things that, you think other people would know you're think you're thinking other people would either know or notice i think and i think that and you know like you said they probably aren't noticing that like if the posts are helping them and your customers are getting value out of the content that you're producing anyway they're probably not noticing that it's like based around a specific topic they're just noticing that it's giving them value <laughs> yeah exactly and of course on each one of those pieces of content there's an ability to opt in for a specific lead magnet that's yep. relevant to that piece of content <laughs> i mean you know that is obviously there's commercial intent that that goes alongside this but uh you know i mean it's a smart way to to market your business and i mean just if you really look at i mean the amazing thing about your guys blog is that if you take a lot of those big two word search engine phrases and punch it into Google, like you guys are like crushing it from, from a search perspective. Like there's almost really no competition. I mean, there's other sites, but I mean, for example, you know, these are big, big phrases and like, did that change or that transformation happen in direct relation to the strategy that we're talking about right now? Or was it always there? Like if we go on the way back machine kind of thing, or did it just like super power it when you guys finally figured this out? Yeah, no, this definitely superpowered it. So I would say that even though those keywords, like, you know, definitely make make me look good to the company, if you type in customer experience and, and HubSpot's there, like, you know, that's a good pat on the back. But those are actually, like, the least valuable keywords in many ways because mm-hmm. someone who's typing in customer experience is probably not a good fit customer. At least not yet. Like it's too, it's too broad of a term. It's too, too non-directional. The the really valuable keywords are the ones that I think you brought this up earlier, but like map underneath that term. Yeah. So totally. as like as a consequence of creating all of those in-between keywords, the more specific, lower volume ones, we were able to rank for the high volume ones. And that's because 
we've we've shown Google, okay, like we are an authority on customer experience. Like not just like customer experience, you know, the two word term, but like everything <laughs> under customer experience. We've written about it all. And, and it's grouped into these tiny little clusters so that you can recognize the relevance. You can see how it kind of all kicks into into gear. It starts to snowball. I think when you're building content and I, you know, a question that I'll get asked a lot is, you know, well, you know, the search volume is not very high on that, but it sometimes the search doesn't, it's not supposed to be high. It's supposed to be, you know, niche to the specific product that you're selling or very specific to what you need your customers to understand. And then by producing that kind of content, you're snowballing into, yeah, into an authority. And eventually Google recognizes that based on all of the, you know, long tail keywords that you're ranking for, that you are the authority on this and they're going to rank, you know, it might not even be your customer experience blog that's ranking. It might be something that's, you know, probably within your cluster, I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's like a really good reminder that this process takes a lot of time and that mm-hmm. you do want to start. This is something that I didn't do. And if I had to do it all over again, I, I would definitely do it differently. I would start with the high intent, lower volume keywords. Mm-hmm. Um, I would look for those specifically. So I would shun customer experience and I would look for how to hire your first customer support rep or, or yeah. something that was super <laughs> specific, but lower volume, and then build up to customer experience as like the capstone. Um, <laughs> because I think a, they're a lot easier to rank for when you have a newer property or you're still building your, both your backlink profile and your topical authority and be there. They're easier to write, honestly. Like it, it's really, it's hard to think about what your audience needs or how they would get to your product from a super high level term, like customer experience. It's a lot easier to start with something super tactical and specific. So if you're listening to this and you're all jazzed up about the topic cluster strategy, that would be probably one of my biggest uh, recommendations. I think it's proof, like if you look for customer experience in the Google searches, it's all the suggested ones underneath that. I mean, those are all the ones and the many others in the how-to example, which I'm sure you guys rank really highly for, but those are the ones that really matter. But the big term it shows the power of this strategy, right? It's almost like it's a proxy for like, this really does work. Yeah, maybe customer experience isn't a high intent keyword phrase and somebody searching for that probably isn't going to be a, a great HubSpot customer. We certainly like to get that traffic. But the point is, is like ideas to improve customer service probably is something that you guys have written about, which is in direct relation to a product and a solution at the end of the line. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. Um, and that's actually a great tip. If you don't have a keyword research tool, or even if you do, just typing in a target keyword to Google and seeing all those recommended searches, seeing what shows up in the featured snippet and the people also ask boxes, those are really great ways to refine your target query and and find those more tactical like follow-up searches. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You guys certainly do a lot of ultimate guides. I mean, holy cow. <laughs> so I will I will give you a little bit of like inside baseball. Uh, we call every pillar page the ultimate guide to us. Ah. So if you ever want to find our pillar page on a topic, then that's what you look for. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
it's there. And man, is it chunky. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> What's really funny is since we started doing that, I actually, I started doing that with our first topic clusters and then it was so easy. So like just every time we create a pillar page, this is what I'm going to call it that I never stopped and and now just became a thing. But (laughs) since then, I will just be doing random searches, completely unrelated to work, like just like personal life searches. And I'll see it everywhere. I don't think like, I I think it was already kind of happening. And then we might've contributed to the popularity of the term ultimate guide, but I'll see like the ultimate guide to like bathing suits you can wear to Palm Springs. (laughs) <laughs> in December 2022 and you're like we needed an ultimate guide for that like you just see it everywhere I think you can claim credit for all of that well I don't know if I need to claim credit or apologize it's unclear <laughs> <laughs> to be fair so this is when I came in originally our like very original original like pillar post is the ultimate guide to digital marketing but it was originally the beginner's guide to digital marketing and i came in and literally just based on search volume i was like we have to change this to the ultimate guide <laughs> and we did and we changed it to the ultimate guide and it got a lot more traffic <laughs> so to you guys both of you guys you're both to blame <laughs> we're like the people i don't know if you guys have uh, read any interviews from the guy who created pop-up ads it's they're worth looking at because he's a funny dude but yeah he's like oh what did i do like i unleashed this thing on the internet and i feel like in a small small way amanda and i can empathize <laughs> I him and the wheelio guy i can't stand that thing i don't know that apparently works you know the wheelio thing that comes out like you know no, what's that? What? I have no idea what the wheel. What is the wheelio? <laughs> the wheelio. It's on e-commerce. Like, go to any e-commerce store. It appears in the left-hand side. Every e-commerce store has one. It, like, pops out and it's like, spin the wheel. You know? Oh, like, when you get yes, a discount. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, like, those who are enters into that? I'm like. I always yes. click. <laughs> you do? I, I never click. I'm like, I can't click out fast enough. That's because you know how the sausage is made. Like you're, you've done e-com. To me, I'm like, oh, like what could my discount be? You know? That's <laughs> <laughs> too funny. <laughs> Jaded marketers here. Yeah. Recently yeah. I started Xing out of them because I was like, I never land on the. <laughs> I right. Never win anything. The 50% the water bottle. Yeah. Mine, yeah. just like while we're doing this, I hate the shame X out option. Uh, yes. Right. Oh, you don't like puppies? Yeah. Wasn't that one of them like, that digital You don't want to get your financial life in order? I'm like, how do you know it isn't already? Like, let me do my thing. It's insulting. Uh, well, this, this is really cool. Is there any other like piece of this that you think we should talk about, Asia? Maybe like just an example of one that you saw all of a sudden using this strategy, like a, a you know a content cluster that all of a sudden just exploded. Which of your ultimate guides is the ultimate? <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate, ultimate. I will say, well, Instagram marketing it boy, was the runaway success of 2019. We oh, cool. yeah, we created an Instagram marketing topic cluster when Instagram started to double down on like becoming more enterprise and e-com friendly and lo and behold, every single post in that topic cluster just performed way beyond our expectations. 
it there I was worried at first that it was because regular Instagram users were finding their way to our content and you know borrowing our caption ideas or giveaway contests you know I thought it was going to be either influencers or regular Instagram users who weren't <laughs> actually interested in HubSpot the product and the social media marketing automation <laughs> tools that we offer just stealing your stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I had to get it in there. <laughs> Wouldn't be a marketer if I didn't do at least one shameless plug. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> we do it all the time here. Plug away. <laughs> yeah. So when we put what you call lead magnets, we call content offers on those posts, they also converted really well. Like people mm. were actually very much interested in the business side of Instagram. And it wasn't it, it wasn't just casual Instagram users. So I don't really know what there is to take away from that. We have been looking for another unicorn like Instagram marketing for a while. <laughs> Who knows if we'll find one? But uh, that's, that's been a good topic luster for us. Well, I think it's topical too, though, because I mean, for, you know, really within the last three years is when Instagram advertising for us I mean, as an agency has really taken off and it actually started to really convert. So I think it's topical. If you're a little bit be ahead of the curve, you can really, you can create some pretty powerful content if you see a trend coming. Like, you know, chatbot marketing, you know, oh, that kind of thing. Oh, we've done chatbot. Yeah. <laughs> we I, have chatbot, yeah. I think uh, something that we've done a couple posts on, but we haven't dedicated a full cluster to, and that will probably change, um, has been TikTok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the question, everyone, the question of the hour, like, you know, is it relevant to my business? Do I do it or do I not? I think is, mm. you know, the the big question in marketing right now. I mean, we've been we've been talking about it with some people and trying to figure out like, I don't know if we're the best bet to go on TikTok. We're not very funny, but <laughs> I mean, we are funny, but I don't know if we're TikTok, that kind of humor, but not TikTok funny, <laughs> not TikTok funny, yeah, really <laughs> different bar, different bar, for yeah, different bar. Exactly. <laughs> There are some like news sites that are on there right now. And when we look at what they're doing, we're like, okay, this is why you have to be aware of who your audience is. <laughs> Although uh, HubSpot's ranking pretty highly for TikTok marketing. <laughs> <laughs> what don't you rank Just like for? in spite of yourselves. You guys are so damn good. It's like whatever you create. But I mean, there's some, there's some other sites down there I've never seen before. So some people are kind of on this. But the long tail keyword on that is absolutely you know, a trend like a year, two years from now, maybe even less, you know, yeah. it, it's going to be a big one that'll have a, a commercial intent for sure. Right. Right. And the one thing I would say to that is that like, I think for HubSpot at this point, we've, we've seeded all of our uh, core topic clusters really well. So we can definitely afford to experiment with the TikTok marketing topic cluster. And hopefully it will have intent for a product or service. But if you're, smaller and you're trying to figure out which topic clusters you should create, I would highly steer you away from TikTok marketing unless there was some really central uh, business relationship there. Because I do right. think that's exactly the type of thing that you can get distracted by. Not yeah, to be the I mean, boring one in the room and tell everyone not to write about TikTok, but don't write about right. TikTok. <laughs> don't compete with us. <laughs> if you do have a TikTok product that you're coming out with and it just so happens to help you with your marketing, then yeah. Exactly. Don't, yeah. You if know, you have a TikTok product, then go for it. Right. It's got to be some intent there. So, uh, well, this, this has been awesome, Asia. And, uh, it, you know, really appreciate you coming on the show. 
uh, this week, even though we're just miles apart, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, where can people learn more about you and obviously HubSpot, but you in particular? I have a website, asiafrost.com. Um, so they can definitely head there. You can also follow me on Twitter and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. And also, if you want to learn even more about this strategy, you can attend the workshop at Digital Marketer, where Asia is going to be walking you through literally every step of this process and breaking it down in person, which is going to be super exciting. And obviously, it'll be live streamed like always, but we're really excited to have her in office as well. Yeah, can't wait for that. And of course, for that, you have to be a Digital Marketer Lab Elite member, right, Amanda? (laughs) Yes, Got to get our plug in there too, so (laughs) why not? Uh, So this has been great. Well, I really appreciate you having you on the show. And uh, for all the resources that we discussed here, as well as the links that we mentioned at the end of the show, make sure you go over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Amanda, Asia, thanks. Been awesome. Everybody else? Until next week, we'll see you. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.